A podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome back to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, and we have this week another guest with us, Michelle Nadelic. <laughs> I tried to I tried to rush into it, and then and then hesitated. Shouldn't you shouldn't ever pause? But welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. Thank it's great to have you. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, let me do a really quick intro of you, and then we'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, your experience, some of the things you've worked on, and and then we'll kind of dive into it. But Michelle is an expert in entrepreneurialism, love that word, and the founder of Awareness Strategies. Uh, she She's run her own series of companies for 22 years, and for 15 years has been helping other managers and executives. So we're going to dive into a number of those things, and I'm really excited to talk about it. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm the creative director of our company, Awareness Strategies. And I say our, I'm the co-founder with my partner in business and pleasures, I'd like to say, <laughs> and he runs the tech side of things. So we take away all of the aspects of business that most people hate. Uh, some people have referred to us as the tech plumbers. <laughs> we got all those kind of jobs that nobody likes to do, but we love to do them. We thrive in it. We hire techies that get super excited about figuring out you know, dates and logic and who gets what, when, where, and all that kind of fun jazz. So that's what we love to do. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to kind of jump into some of those things, but before we do, uh, outside of all of the, the marketing and tech and, uh, and company things that you do, uh, for awareness strategies, what is it that you like to do outside of the office? Awesome. Well, when um, my wings aren't being clipped by the government, I love to travel. <laughs> I also love uh, taking on special projects. Our latest special project, we adopted a uh, German Shepherd Pitbull mix, and he was a little bit feral when we got him. So training him has been super entertaining, to say the least. But in a few short months, we've got him wrapped around, and he's now a super awesome dog part of the family. And we absolutely love an adorable. Wow. That is awesome. We just, so we just got a new puppy as well and he's a golden doodle and it is a lot of work to, to train a new dog. And I'm, I'm sure it's especially the case when it is an older, uh, you know, not a puppy anymore. And like you said, uh, a pit bull German shepherd mix, which I, I imagine can be a little bit intimidating, but once they're well-trained. I, I had a friend who had a German shepherd growing up and they are such intelligent dogs and so, uh, so great once they're well-trained and, and once they're kind of accustomed <laughs> to things. So how has that been for you? Oh my God. He is super smart. He's painfully smart. He's smarter than we are at times collectively. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have to create these mastermind games for him in order to keep him entertained. But yeah, he, he caught on to set stay, yep. you know, all the usual ones instantaneously. So then I had to go and Google things to keep him occupied. So we're working on, uh, spin and circle and under <laughs> we don't want to teach him to jump because i can just land that in five seconds flat we're in trouble <laughs> so, 
<laughs> it's been super fun. And my son keeps like at the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? Why did we do that? And my son goes, well, or you could have got a puppy who would have chewed the walls and the furniture and everything else. So either way, we're pretty good. But yeah, yeah. He, he knows the difference between scraps and food that's still there for us. He's just, he's brilliant. Wow. That's awesome. That, that's so much fun. Awesome. Well, I, I did want to ask too, a uh, favorite place that you've traveled. Uh, you, you mentioned travel being a, a passion of your either favorite place or favorite recent place that you've traveled. Awesome. Well, one of my all-time favorites was in St. Martin in the Caribbean because it was all the original like 1600s cobblestone streets, the buildings, like history was alive and well there. It was epic and awesome. And I say was because they had a hurricane which kind of ripped out the front of the the streets which is super sad and unfortunate but the locals of course being used to hurricanes rebuilt and everything's fantastic so if you get a chance and you go into kind of the back streets and if you see cobblestone streets they're all the original 1600s if you see stained glass windows they're all the originals it's uh quite fantastic and amazing yeah no that sounds awesome uh have to maybe check that one out one day all right. And they make really good rum too. <laughs> <Just saying>. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I want to dive in a little bit more to, you know, some of the things that, that you do and, you know, from, from marketing, entrepreneurship, uh, some of the technology aspect as well. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about your journey? You know, what, what brought you to the focus that you have right now and, uh, you know, starting your own company and then also helping other uh, other companies, other executives, other leaders uh, with you know their their marketing, their technology, their business automation, and all the things that you do. Thanks. Well, I started my entrepreneurial journey at about twenty three, but in this latest endeavor that we have, I was doing personal development training and working with executives to help them to build their businesses from everything from the strategy, the systems, the support, the state of mind. So whether they were hiring and they needed help with that or they needed help with their marketing, most of it was very much mindset because a lot of them had got a corporate buyout and then decided to become an entrepreneur going, hey, I mastered it here. Clearly I can do it over there. And then they realized in short order that it's not quite the same. <laughs> there is a lot of mindset going on to stop them from doing that. And so I did that for years. And then people started asking for, courses to be in video so that it was more accessible for them around 2013, 15, somewhere in there. And as I was moving into that, I realized that the tech behind just putting up a video was a lot more intense than I had given credence to it. And fortunately, my partner in business and pleasure, as we like to say, is a techie and he would do specialized software um, project management. So big companies like IBM, Halliburton would hire him to figure out how much it was going to cost. He was making something out of nothing. It's like, it's never been done before, but we need software that does this. So he's like, yeah, it'll take you three years. It'll cost you X millions and you're going to need so many people, so many servers, all that fun stuff. So they're big projects. And around that same time, he's like, I'm getting sick of the politics. I'm not sure I want to be doing this anymore. And as we were learning kind of how digital marketing differs from analog marketing, if you want to put it that way, or traditional marketing, I was realizing that people in our mastermind groups, other speakers were having the same difficulty when it came to tech. I said, well, we're going to have to pivot anyway. So, and the pivot to 
kind of a how-to model of, you know, what is the problem that we solve? Is it how to speak from stage? Is it how to, you know, monetize your business? Like we're going to have to specify in some way, why don't we just switch over to the tech done for you? Because clearly there's a need for it. And as we started to delve into it more and more, we realized that all small businesses <laughs> need a lot of tech support. So it was a good pivot. <laughs> Yeah, no, that definitely sounds like it. Um, and I want to kind of pull on a couple of different threads there, but you know, maybe you can expand a little bit uh, specifically on some of the things that, that you decided to focus on with that. Because I know we talk broadly about, uh, you know, some of the marketing and, and technology and, and business automation, but, you know, what, what exactly is all of that? Well, absolutely. So when we were taking the programs, people in our sphere, we're also kind of trying to do it because it, it wasn't, believe it or not, like that was only seven years ago. At this point. <laughs> it was not that long ago, but technology changes really quickly. So what's kind of obvious today was not obvious back then, certainly not to me. And a lot of the people were going, hey, we're doing this. We need a shopping cart. We need a merchant account. We need this. We need that. And we're pulling them from all directions. And we built what I love to call Frankenware. And poor Frank and I had a great love-hate relationship there for a while because anytime somebody did an update, poor Frank would lose an eye or a limb <laughs> trying to figure out how to put it back together again. Sometimes it went in the right spot, sometimes it didn't. And we were at a program and Brad discovered at that time Infusionsoft or what's now Keep Max Classic. And to him, the clouds parted, the angels sang. <laughs> I'm looking at, you know, I want to have an all-inclusive piece of software that can integrate because to him, obviously integrating data is huge. It's the foundation, right? You get dirty data in, dirty data out. I just like saying that, but to him, it's a real annoyance. And I said, sure, I don't care. Couldn't care less. You do what you got to do and make it work. And we'll figure out how to make it happen. So with that tr transition, we realized that the power of this piece of software was phenomenal. A lot of people had kind of trashed it, didn't like it, were confused by it. It got some nicknames like Confusionsoft. And we went, yes, it is. That's the whole idea. It is a very difficult piece of software to use, but it does everything. So the benefit is we make Infusionsoft sing like the Stradivarius that it is. And a lot of people are trying to make it play like a uh, ukulele, nothing against ukuleles. They're lovely and wonderful. But as far as a stringed instrument goes, they're pretty simplistic. And a lot of software companies have come in and tried to take over that market, marketing their simplicity, which is great on one hand, because then entrepreneurs have simple software that they get to use. But on the other side of it, they're losing the capacity that the software has. So we figured out a way to productize so that even the solopreneurs that are just kind of starting out and going, hey, I just, <laughs> this is not my jam. I do not want to be playing in tech. I want to go and play my music. I want to record my videos. I want to do my, whatever it is. It's not tech. So then we come in and, and can serve and support them. All they have to do is say, hey, I want to have a three-day event coming up. And what do I need? And then we can come in and serve and support going, okay, well, you're going to need landing pages. You're going to need opt-ins. You're going to need, you know, promotion material. You're going to need swipe copy. You're going to need this, that, and defining what that means. Cause a lot of people look at us and go, what's swipe copy? <laughs> so we're like, that's okay. And then we can also work with the big multimillion dollar clients. Uh, most of our clients are kind of in that one to uh, $20 million phase. And we've got a whole ton of products and services that we're working on there that are super exciting right now too, but we'll get into those. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And you mentioned one thing that 
I, I, I want to kind of touch on a little bit more is, is the productization of, of what you're doing, but also of taking some existing software and then making that work. What was kind of the process of that for you uh, in, you know, taking all of these things, taking the, the problems that people have, and then really productizing a solution in order to make that extensible really and like scalable going forward. So what was that like for you and, and your business? <laughs> it was like most entrepreneurs experience of, we don't have a clue what we're doing. We don't have a cl- clue what our clients need or how they're wording it. And it was haphazardous at best. But the light at the end of the tunnel is we worked with uh, a lot of people to figure out kind of what their wording was, how they honed in, what was most important to them, and being able to understand the needs of the small business, the solopreneurs, is vastly different from somebody that has a team and they're, they know what they're doing. They have a product that converts. They already have the messaging down pat. They already have those things in place. And how do we serve and support the solopreneurs with an affordable tech support solution and still, you know, giving them access to the information that they need, like how do we hone in on our message? How do we, you know, speak a transition from my content to sales? How do I, there's so many aspects of business that somebody has to kind of wrap their mind around, especially when they're on the entrepreneur, but we can give them best practices without having to deliver on that and still stay focused on the tech aspect of things. Right. Right. No, that's really interesting. What, what have been, as you've been doing this and working with a lot of obviously different types of individuals and businesses and companies, what have been maybe some of the common uh, mistakes or difficulties that people have run into or are experiencing uh, as you either start working with them or, or before they come to you that they're looking to solve with some of these things? Absolutely. So some of the biggest mistakes I'd say that people have is that they're trying to get things off their plate. So they'll hire a VA and go, hey, can you just do this for me? And oftentimes they're trying to get things off their plate that the poor VAs are just not (laughs) trained to do. They're not qualified to do. They're taking somebody that's really good with systems and organizing things and asking them to do abstract thinking and and kind of techy work and to us it's it's mean cruel (laughs) to these poor people to be doing that because at the same time you can't take a tech and say hey can you organize my desk because they're never going to be able to do it it's not it's not how their brains work so if you can understand what tasks you have and who would be best served to deliver on those then you can start to see hey when it comes to organizing my desk and my emails and my phone and my life, absolutely somebody that's kind of that S systems type personality fits perfect here. And then when it comes to the tech, this is who I'm looking for. Second mistake they'll make is they'll go, okay, I need a tech, but you know, my, my nephew's really good with computers. I think I'll get him necessarily have the experience of the wherewithal marketing of the software applications themselves, which I totally get it. There's basically two ways to hire help. One is the one you can afford now, or one is to build a plan that includes the cost of operations of, of hiring the specialists in those areas. And so that's what we want to do is first to be able to create a strategy that builds out their year at minimum and being able to then say, okay, if we have these structures in place, not only are you obviously paying for us, but you're creating an income for yourself. And at some point, you're going to need to hire this person, that person. And they know when they can do that because of the plans that we help them set up. 
Right. No, that that's that's really that's really interesting, you know, some of those mistakes. At what point do you as a a business owner know how much that you can do yourself versus uh, needing help? Like where has where have been some of those like pivotal moments that you've seen uh, that people often find like, yeah, we I can do this myself or no, like we, I really need help in doing some of these things. Yeah. And there are definitely two different types of entrepreneurs. One <laughs> are the ones that I can do this myself, therefore I will. And the ones that go, I could do this myself, but there's no way I'm doing it. <laughs> and, and those are the particularly ones that we love working with. For example, we have a, uh, a coach that we work with and she started a brand new business. So she had made her money in uh, commission sales, doing sales for another uh, company that did uh, trained people on how to be holistic healers. So she made her money there and decided, okay, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to teach these holistic healers how to do sales and training. And she's super smart and could have done her own tech. And she said right off the bat, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to focus on what I do. I'm going to be in front of the camera. I'm going to create content. And that's my focus. I need you guys to take care of all of this. And by the way, I have an event coming up in two months. <laughs> so like, okay, scramble, let's get this happening. So at that event, she made, I think it was $40,000 at that first event. And then a year later, she was making $100,000 at that event because she knew where to spend her time and focus and energy and not playing the things that she could well have done. And at first it was like, okay, I want to know how to do this. I want to know how to do that. And we'd show her absolutely. And eventually just, just kind of tapped out on that one. Yeah. Okay. You guys don't care anymore. <laughs> and then there's the other side of things where people are just curious and they want to know how to do it. And we're like, yeah, we'll absolutely show you how to do it. Okay. How much time are you spending learning how to do this? How much time are you spending actually trying to do the tech and some of our clients will go in and they'll ruin more <laughs> than they solve. And we're like, dude, okay, either you got to pay us more so that we have time to clean up your messes before <laughs> you can <laughs> go live with them, or you got to get out of the tech and just let us do it. And, you know, I, I get it. Entrepreneurs, we're a little bit control freaks and we like to, <laughs> we like to stay in the thick of thin things. Um, but as soon as we learn to get out of our own way and just can leave those things up to the experts, do their thing. You don't have to be in it. It still functions. It still works great. Uh, it'll cost you less money in the end. That's really but interesting. We love you both. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. just going to charge you more. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it reminds me of a meme that I saw of, uh, I think it was a design one where it, it gave like different pricing where if, you know, we design it all costs like a hundred dollars. You, you help design it costs like more. And then like, you know, you, you, you design it all and, and then we fix it. It was like the most expensive. So it was like, just, you, you could pick your option of like, Hey, just let somebody else do it and then it'll be less expensive or be more and more involved and then let them fix it in the end. And that ends up being like the most expensive option. I just, it reminded me of that because ultimately it can kind of like you were saying with the mistakes, like it can come down to that and prioritizing like where is the most important place to be involved as a, a either an entrepreneur or you know somebody working on either these types of projects or other things you know where is your expertise and where is your your focus best suited and where do you get the most value and then how can you start to pick out the areas that you either need help in or are not the the primary way that you're delivering value into 
into your business or into the business that that you're that you're building or, or working with. So th- that that's really interesting. Absolutely, and I think the other mistake is that some entrepreneurs will go tactics first and strategy second. So they'll hire somebody that does Facebook ads or they'll hire somebody that does you know a thing, and and they don't really have a strategy in place for it. Which no offense to the people that are doing the Facebook ads, they're awesome and amazing and fantastic at it, but without the business strategy in place. Facebook ads, Google ads can become a really nice bonfire of money pet. Unfortunately, you don't get the marshmallows though. <laughs> so you'd be better off just buying marshmallows for the community and throwing them in. Like you really want to start with strategy first and being able to find somebody that you can outsource to or somebody that has that expertise so that you're getting the fractional CIO, the fractional CMO, the the strategy in place of how are we going to lay this out okay and then what are the tactics what actually needs to be done in order to fulfill on that strategy and if it's done in that way and you're getting the project managers in place with the strategy then you're not having to do that either so if as an entrepreneur i hire somebody to do my social media and somebody to do my facebook ads and somebody else to you know do my data entry i still have to project manage all those people so I haven't really solved my problem. I've just changed my problem. And and that doesn't really work either. You really want to be able to bring somebody in that can project manage all of the, the marketing for you. So you're still making the decisions. You're still kind of seeing that high level. And the people that know how to do what they do are implementing on those tactics. Yeah, I, I feel like you've touched on a point that is so, it's almost totally universal in that, having the right strategy, regardless of, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, entrepreneurship and uh, business, but creating that strategy first. So, you know, what you're tactically executing towards other, rather than having a lot of tactical execution of things that, you know, you need to do that aren't necessarily driving towards a, a singular strategy and can often hopefully they they will be but can oftentimes like lead in multiple different directions and end up being like more expensive more time consuming than having a strategy that kind of guides the tactical decisions that you're trying to make i that, that's a it's a really really great point that i feel like we could hit home on a whole bunch in a whole bunch of different ways but has that i mean do you have any like salient examples of that or, or times when that has really worked out or or times when you know, you, people you're working with have, have kind of missed the mark on that and, and it has just hasn't worked out well. Oh, hundreds of, <laughs> so most when entrepreneurs are kind of trying to figure things out and I totally get that there's going to be this really chaotic phase in an entrepreneurial business where they're just trying to figure things out. And that is awesome and wonderful. So don't think you're broken or you haven't done it right or whatever, if you're in the midst of that phase. But if you can look at the strategy first, then your your overall arch is this is my objective. This is what I want to hit. These are the things I need to have. So, for example, if you know your ideal client's ideal journey, then you're honing in on this one product that is most profitable for you that you love to fulfill on and your clients want it, need it, love it and have the wherewithal to pay for it. Now, all of a sudden, everything you do is getting that kind of cog in the wheel turning. And when that cog in the wheel turns, the whole wheel starts to turn as opposed to looking at all the different aspects of, you know, the Facebook ads, the CRM, the whatever's trying to figure out how to get them moving becomes really arduous and cumbersome. So our goal is to be able to narrow in on what is that one product that you absolutely love to deliver 
has profitability, your clients want it and love it. And then what do we do to make sure that that gets in front of those people? Because those people aren't necessarily everywhere. So they're not on YouTube and Google and TikTok. They're probably on one of those things looking for you and you can hone in all your attention in that one area. And then you can go and take that content that you built for that one thing and you can put it anywhere you want to. But it's a very different mentality than going, oh, we need a TikTok ad and we need a YouTube ad. And they're two totally different things and they don't work. So if all your efforts are honed in on one kind of railroad (laughs) track that you can hone in on that and then start throwing stuff out the window, (laughs) makes it a lot easier than throwing stuff out the window and trying to build the train track. A high profile example of this is back in the day with Apple, right? When Steve walks in and he goes, okay, we've got whatever they had, 10, 20, 40 mm-hmm. different products that all the engineers are working on. And he comes in and goes, no, we're going to work on one. That one product was the most profitable, was the most executable. It had every component that you needed to be able to run a successful business. Everything else is a distraction at this point until we get where we want to go. And then we can decide if we want to have more products than that. And clearly, you know, Apple has what, three products? <laughs> they're still <laughs> they're still top of the industry, so they're not hurting because of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a really great example. And and I love um a whole bunch of the of that because I feel like, you know, the being able to really focus like you were talking about. And and I remember in in uh I think it was Steve Jobs in in the book by uh Walter Isaacson where he he draws that, you know, here's here's the the grid and you know it's one product focused on each thing we're get, we're getting rid of literally everything else and it's you know this is for consumers and this is for professionals and 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 that's it and that was what what they focused on and being able to have that level of focus really it, it takes away a lot of the other distractions and other things that could pull you into um, areas that maybe aren't as, as, as good. And, and you touched on that with like, you know, TikTok and YouTube and, and other places. Like it's, I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in some of the virality of a lot of things that are happening, but really focusing on, like you said, who are the segments that we're trying to target? What is the message that we want to do? And how can we be really hyper-focused on either our messaging or our product or whatever it is and not necessarily get caught up in, you know, we have to have all of these different channels and all of these different things to do to get everyone everywhere, but rather focus on the most valuable in the most valuable way. How, how have you kind of approached that with, you know, maybe different uh, people or, or companies as you're working with them and, and having some of these conversations? Absolutely. So one prime example was a prospect that came to us and said, I need your help. I need all my tech done. I'm, I can't, you know, stay on top of all of this and figure out who, what, when, where, why. And turns out that what she was doing was working with high-end executives and being able to help them to reignite their relationship with their spouse. And I went, okay, these guys do not spend their time on TikTok or YouTube or, 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 and if they do, they're looking to build their business. They're not looking to improve the relationship mm-hmm. with their spouse. Guarantee it. What you want to do is get your name into magazines on airplanes. And I get it. There are no magazines and airplanes right now, but if you can get into, into those magazines, it would be there that they're going to carry on to the planes, whether that's the digital version or the physical edition, 
but that's what most exec- executives do. That's when they catch up on their kind of magazine time. And those ads are going to catch them when they're relaxed, they're down, and they're going, hey, you know what? I Maybe I spend too much time on planes. Maybe I spend too much time on focused on my business and I should probably spend at least some time <laughs> focused on, on my relationship with my spouse and how is that going to work? Because if you're competing with how do I grow my business and the strategy and what they're reading at eight o'clock in the morning, you're not going to get that. They're not going to spend the time or the wherewithal to go away from that. It's kind of like if somebody's spending their time watching cat videos, they're not going to all of a sudden go, Hey, do you want to pay your mortgage down? They're not going to do that. They don't care. They're trying to get rid of their problems in that moment. And you really want to know what is your ideal client doing at that point in time that that your natural fit into kind of where they're at mentally, physically, emotionally, and being able to hone in on that so that you're not bombarding them with information and trying to knock on the door when you know, they're in the bathroom, they don't want to be disturbed. <laughs> you're, you're wanting to get them when they're open to whatever that conversation might be. So in kind of looking back at how do we identify who our ideal client is, where are they spending their time? Where are they most apt? Most people are either in the YouTube world of, you know, I need to solve this problem. How do I do that? I want to watch a video on how I solve that problem. How do I bake that cake? How do I fix my relationship? How do I whatever? Or they're Googling it and and it'll pop up. A lot of businesses, kind of the bigger businesses, especially if they've been around for a while, they're used to solving their problems with, you know, making a phone call, a handshake, meeting some influencers, and everything's very kind of traditional sales and marketing, if you want to put it that way. They often have the hardest time trying to figure out, okay, how do I find these people online? Because I don't spend time online. Why would I want to do this? And what they're not realizing is they do spend time online, but when they go online, they're looking to solve a problem. And how do you then translate that thing that you deliver, whether it's a Lamborghini or a Rolex watch, into their their digital time so that you're getting a hold of them at the right time? Yeah. That answer that question. Yeah, no, that's that's really great. And and it brings up a couple other ideas uh, to discuss. Um, because, you know, at first, when you say like, you know, get into some of the airline magazines or you know, that you're like, oh man, that, is that the right thing? And then as you discuss the why behind it, it's like, okay, you're talking about people who are traveling a lot, uh, in a time where, you know, they, they're open to having that, you know, being approached with that idea. And all of a sudden, like, it's like, yes, this is like the avenue to find them at the right time in the right place in probably the right medium as well. So how, how, how do you approach that for, you know, all of the variety of different cases that there may be is in, you know, finding what is the right medium, what is the right group to be targeting and how to really focus in on that. Absolutely. So we have a, for the solopreneurs up to about a million dollars, we have our blueprint. And when people go through the blueprint, it is a, it's kind of like a half day VIP of understanding your business, your objectives, where you're going, what you want to do, and looking at your tech stack and being able to look at, okay, not only do you have the technology in place to be able to fulfill on that, but let's back up the bus and go back to exactly what you're talking about. Who is your ideal client? What is their ideal journey? And what is all this noise that you've created in your business? (laughs) How do we hone in on that one thing for just 12 months? For 12 months, just hone in on that one thing so that you can can figure that out. Because obviously, 
a dental office is going to have completely different issues and, and wherewithal, the decision maker is totally different than, say, a corporate lawyer, right? They're not, even though they may have similar structures in their business, who their ideal client is and where they're going is completely different. Uh, somebody also said it was a great analogy of the difference between demographics and psychographics. If you're only looking at demographics, where does somebody live, what's their income, all of those things, versus what's their mindset and kind of where they at, you could potentially put King Charles and um, and Meatloaf in the same <laughs> kind of bucket demographically, because they live in you know live in London. They probably have both similar. Uh, incomes all that well did <laughs> a couple of months ago, uh, and being able to understand their demographics are similar, but their psychographics are going to be completely different. And who do you want to be able to to hone in on? So in the in the blueprint, we're looking at those aspects for companies between a million dollars and twenty million dollars. We have the digital adoption roadmap, and that's a much more intensive look for those companies at where do you want to go in the next five years. Who are those ideal clients? What what changes have to happen? Because obviously with a $2 million company, you know, or more like Steve Jobs <laughs> experience, telling them that you're going to go from 40 products down to one isn't exactly a, something that they'll, they're willing to do overnight. So it's being able to understand how do we transition into that? How do we change into that? How do we morph into that? Why are we morphing in that direction? And what's it going to get for us in the end? So uh, long story short, to answer your question, how do we do that? That's how we do it. Every business is completely different, right? If you Even if you take two dental offices, if one's focused on orthodontics and the other one's pediatrics, they're going to have two completely different parts <laughs> and things yeah. like that. You take two that are into orthodontics and they're going to be completely different depending on kind of what aspect you're going for. Uh, if you're going for the kids, it's one thing. If you're going for the moms, going to be something different and you really want to know what is that some people love working with kids some people love working with the stay-at-home moms and that becomes important to your team culture and who are the people in the office what kind of atmosphere do you want to create because if you want to create a kind of spa-like experience in your dental office then you probably don't want to be uh, promoting to pediatrics because it's going to take away from that <laughs> spot-like experience as soon as somebody comes in. On the other hand, pediatrics can be a lot of fun. You can make it really bright and fun and exciting. It's just two different markets, even though both are orthodontics and dentistry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense and would be really approaching it in probably different channels and different places and different mindsets, like you were talking about, where if it's just pure demographics and, and I love this concept because it's so easy to get into just like demographic segmentation where it's, you know, um, like you were saying, moms who live in a certain area, uh, maybe certain income. And like you, if you separate it like that, all of a sudden you have two people who may look demographically very, very similar, but who are looking for two very different experiences. You know, one maybe looking for a, a pediatric dental experience and one may be looking for the spa dental experience. And like, those are two very, very different things and finding the right way to, to segment and say, you know, here is what we're trying to do. And, and going back to, you know, what we we're talking about here is our, our target customer and our, and what we're trying to accomplish and, and the strategy that we have. And here's how we can start to, to market to that or, or start to, to bring in those types of of customers or users or, or whatever the product is specifically in the way that we're targeting. I, I think that's so important and it's so easy to, 
to miss when we just focus on like very demographic type segmentation as opposed to like what more depth can we add to these things that people actually care about because two people can look very very similar and but be very very different in what they're looking for and what they're thinking about and what they care about in a product or an experience right and it it can be as simple as a lot of people obviously when they think of you know digital marketing they're not thinking what color is my reception area. <laughs> but when you hone in on, you know, who is that ideal and can we, if by honing in on a certain uh, demographic, psychographic, make more money, right? And the odds of having a lot more house moms going, hey, I just want to have that dental ex- or that spa experience when I go to the dentist's office, I want it to be calm and serene. All of a sudden you're changing a few things. You might change the color of the paint. You might bring in, you know, a little waterfall feature in the office. It's a really small change to make to the traditional marketing, but it fits into your digital marketing. And now all of a sudden people are, they're seeing that in a totally different way than can we align your teeth? Well, yeah, anybody with braces can align your teeth, but I want this experience to go along with it. And, and when you can look at your business kind of as that holistic approach of what does this journey mean to our clients and how do we make that as easy and effortless as possible? And I mean, sometimes it can be as easy as putting a chat bot on your website so that people can get the answers they're looking for quickly and effectively because you have a lot of ADD clients. Awesome. Great. Give them a chat bot. <laughs> Not that hard. No, that's great. How, how do you approach some of that holistic experience with, you know, some of the the customers or clients or people that you're working with, because I feel like that's so important and so easy to miss, but really thinking holistically about what is the experience that we want to create within either our, our business or our product or whatever it is that we're offering. And how do we accomplish that? And, you know, what, what's the journey like for a customer or a user? Um, you know, how, how do you go about approaching that with, with the people you're working with? Absolutely. So all of our clients get an onboarding strategy call where we're looking at their business and going, okay, this is great. I I have an idea of how you've run your business up until now, but let's go back and give me the big picture. Why do you go into business? What kind of lifestyle are you wanting to create? Like so many decisions become part of this because a lot of people go into business in order to have freedom, to have, you know, the time capacity to be able to go and watch your kids sporting games on, on the weekend or on a Friday, right? And yet they've created these businesses that are so complex that they're working 60 hours a week and, you know, none of those dreams have been fulfilled. How do we bring that back and just go, okay, so if you could create this, what might it look like? And then start to put the pieces together. And oftentimes it's just because the people that they've hired were based on tactics, not on strategy and didn't have the wherewithal to then fulfill on that strategy either. So one of the uniquenesses that we have is being able to look at that strategy. Our utmost desire strategy first, and then the systems come into place second. Then we look at the support to be able to put it into place. And then we look at the, the state of mind of where somebody's at. Because until you get those things in place, the terror and the fear does. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't work four days a week. That's going to blow out my business. It's like, no, actually, it's going to grow it. And look, this is how we're going to do it. So by by working with them and strategizing with them right off the bat and saying, okay, this is how we're going to lay it out. And a lot of people think they need to be handheld all the way. And they really don't, they, they need the strategy in 
plate. And then once we have kind of that game plan in place, they can say, okay, this event is coming up. We've already you know, said that this is what's coming up. Is it terrifying? Yes, I get that. <laughs> We're working on the mindset. And from a tactical point of view, we need your copy. What if, you know, what's the hook? What are the benefits? Why would somebody come? When is the event going to be? What time is it? <laughs> you know, all these things that entrepreneurs don't think of until they need to. It's like, oh yeah, I guess we should do that <laughs> this time. <laughs> is that a holiday, right? We're just going to throw things against the wall and then we start to rationalize and think about how it's going to all come into play. And to us, it's really having that team that supports you to go, okay, are you sure you want to do it from one to four? Cause this and that and the other things going on. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, as opposed to somebody that just does the task and says, okay, your landing page is up. Yeah. We don't want to be that. We want to partner with you to help you to succeed. Yeah. I think that's so important being a partner, whether it is uh, outside or inside, but it's not just about making something and being done. It's about like, building that experience. And going back to what you said too, about strategically thinking, not just about the business, but what is it that you want to do with your life? Like what, what does that look like? Even going, you know, maybe a level above, you know, what does this business look like, but what does, what does life look like and how does all of this fit in and really thinking through that, uh, you know, whether you're, you're doing your own business or, or, you know, whatever it is that you may be doing that feels really, really important in order to start to structure all of these things in a way that makes the most sense. So uh, that, I don't know, that just really like hit home with, with some of the things that we're talking about as far as like, it really goes back to the strategy that you're trying to accomplish in with your business, with your life. And how can you, how can you structure everything in order to make that happen in the best way and then start to implement the tactics in order to do it and, and not the reverse. Exactly. A lot of people like influencers will go, oh, yeah, I want to be, build a huge following so that I can sell my company. I was like, well, you're not going to be able to sell your company based on TikTok followers or even Facebook followers for that matter or Instagram. It's your ability to be able to get those followers attention off of social media and into your own platforms, whether that's your email, whether it's your website, whatever it is that's yours and you own it. That's the goodwill of the company. So when you if you don't understand that in the first place, you're never going to build your company to fulfill that because, <laughs> you know, it just would never have occurred to you. So it's being able to understand, again, even if your goal is to sell your business, okay, how do we structure everything so that everything becomes an asset? Everything becomes a uh, something that somebody looking to buy a business is going to look at and go, yes, I'm looking for this, that, and the other thing. So they're not just looking for profits. They're looking for what are your PLs? What's your expenses? What are your losses? What are your what's depreciating over time? All of these seemingly little things that are just part of business, if you're just putting it together, become paramount if you're looking to sell. And sometimes it's it's a really easy, you know, change to make. It's just, oh, okay. So we got to instead of giving people things on on Instagram, we get them to go to the website and then they can get the thing there. Yeah, absolutely. That's all it is. And and it's, it's just little tweaks that make a huge difference to the end game. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, you know, talking about that, what is the best advice that you would give to somebody looking to start their own thing or, you know, go into business for themselves or you build a business for themselves in some way? Number one, keep it simple. <laughs> the more <laughs> simple you can keep it, the pro probability is that the more on track you are. 
So that comes down to, again, strategy first, ask more questions than you're putting money down. So you, if you're going to put anything on the table, it should be questions. And then once you have all those questions answered, then you can start to put your money down and, and you'll probably be more accurate in it. Again, keeping it simple and keeping your ideal client's journey as the number one um, objective of your company. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely perfect. Couldn't agree more with like all of those things. And, and I feel like it's not even just for starting a business, but for anything, really, it's keep it simple, keep the strategy in mind and keep the user journey at the forefront of, you know, every, anything that you're doing. So I think that is a absolute perfect summation of all of this. Um, well, this has been, this has been a really fun conversation and I appreciate it, but before we, I have a couple wrap up questions, but before we do that, is there anything that, that you wanted to add to what we talked about or maybe what we didn't talk about? I think if people are looking for support, absolutely connect with me. I would love, love, love to help you in your business. Uh, would encourage people to go to the website, which I'm sure will be in the notes. And we have a ton of fun uh, assessments and surveys and quizzes and all sorts of fun things about branding and technology and wherever you feel like you need the most amount of help and service. And at the end of all of those, you'll get a link for a discovery call with me. And I'm happy to strategize with you on whatever's going on, whatever phase of business you're in. If you're just starting out, call me anyways, because I love helping you because the faster you can become successful, the faster we can start helping you. If you're in a huge business and you're like, hey, I don't want to be sold anything. I'm totally cool with that, too. I'll give you tools and techniques, reports that you can give to your team, take it back to them and and get them to implement. We just want them to help you to be successful. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, we will put the links in the show notes to the website for awareness strategies to link with Michelle where you can find her. and obviously anything else that, that you want to put in there, we can, we will link there as well. So wrapping up, uh, you, we like to wrap up with a couple, uh, questions just around, uh, things that you have either found interesting recently or, or, or maybe haven't, but first off, have you read or watched or listened to anything recently that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Have I watched or seen or heard anything interesting? See, and I <laughs> get that question. I'm like, Oh man, you should have seen that thing. It was awesome. Yes. Um, do, 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 do. Can we circle back to that one? Because I know there's something in yeah. it and it just hasn't hit my brain. It's going to pop in any second or whatever. Uh, yeah. And, and the other one is, are there any products that you have, uh, that you're using right now that you've enjoyed or have not enjoyed? So anything that you maybe tried, either digital products or physical products that you want to give a shout out to or uh, have not enjoyed it. You've tried it and they're like, this just is not great. And, and, you know, you can give them a negative shout out right now too. <laughs> well, of course I'm going to promote keep max classic cause it's awesome and amazing. And, uh, do not go and play with it yourself, especially if you're not techie, <laughs> go and get somebody else to help you with that. Um, and I think one of the big things that I am not enjoying in the whole tech world is a lot of people are trying to oversimplify the software to do the thing and it doesn't end up doing the thing. So be careful of good marketing and bad execution. <laughs> it is a very real thing in the digital marketing world. I'll warn you on that one. No, that's, that's a, that's a really good call out. Um, love it. The, on the, on the marketing and the products that don't deliver on what they're saying, especially if it's uh, overly simplified. Okay. I don't know if you've had a chance to think of anything that you've read or uh, watched recently that you want to shout out to. If not, that's okay. Well, and I will shout out to um, Scale Up because 
they're an awesome company in their ability to be able to clearly um, look at when it comes to the difference between starting a company, growing a company, scaling a company and exiting a company. And if you can understand that one has to be firmly in place before the next one, uh, absolutely. So Vern um, Hamish's book on scaling up uh, the gazelle, whatever it is, <laughs> my apologies, Vern, um, but it is his material is always awesome. Okay. Nice. Yeah. We, we can uh, put the link in the show notes for that as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, Michelle, this has been a really, really fun conversation. Again, I really appreciate it. It, it has been great to talk to you and uh, really thank you for your insight, uh, your expertise and your time and, and sharing that with us. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll talk again next time. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter product thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.